Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode 57 for Tuesday, March 22nd, 2016. Welcome to Gig Gab, the Working Musicians podcast, the show for, by, and about working musicians, even though we have lots of people who aren't musicians that choose to listen as well. It's all good. We all come to learn about this stuff. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here, sounding like he is squishing a duck between his cheeks in Las Gatas, California, is Paul Kent. Yeah, man. So we had to uh, delay the show a day, not just because one of us was sick, but because both of us were sick. I've I've never been happy to hear that you were sick, but <laughs> I wasn't sad that we uh, that we postponed the show a day yesterday. So well, you you sound like you're you got a little Barry White to you, but you sound like you're bouncing back pretty well. I am. I uh, my voice is way better today than it was yesterday. I I think my problem uh, was sort of a you know, a, uh, a, a mix of, of a perfect storm of things. I had this cold last week and my throat was, you know, a little iffy, like, like happens with a cold, but I was taking good care of it. And then, uh, on Sunday I played an acoustic gig. Actually it was, and I'll, I'll talk about it, but, uh, we played an acoustic gig and then, uh, I think that was enough to, you know, to yeah. just push it over the edge. Cause yesterday was, was a bad, bad thing. How about, how about yours? Is yours, you're sick, I assume, right? Yeah, I, I still feel pretty bad. Um, so I had an acoustic gig. Fr- so starting about the middle of last week, I started yeah. like waking up with like really bad scratchiness in the back of my throat and, you know, just feeling like congestion coming on. Sure. And there's, there's stuff going around, but it also um, is kind of spring here. And so there's a lot of blooming going on. And oh. so I think there's allergies on top of whatever I have. Yep. I played Friday night with Acoustic Madness and um, Mary Ellen actually got strep. And so I thought I was getting her strep as the weekend went on. So Friday night, we kind of toughed it through. It was fine. And then uh, Saturday, the House Rockers played. I was really amped up to play because the band hadn't played well. So I had a lot of adrenaline going into the gig. But about two-thirds, it's a two, about, it's about 275 to 90 minute sets. About two-thirds of the way through the second set, life started crashing down around me <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, you know, my throat was tightening up and I was sweating really bad. And I was really, I was feeling actually, you know, pretty, pretty depleted. Yeah. So, and then I woke up on, on Sunday and, and it all has be, <coughs> begun. Sorry. I'm going to be barking through this thing. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. The, I, um, we played, we played an interesting gig on, on Sunday. It was a gig. I play with, with two, essentially two acoustic, uh, outfits. One is I call them acoustic fling and acoustic chafed, but acoustic fling is called amnesiac and acoustic chafed is uh, called monkey fist. And this was supposed to be a monkey fist gig, but uh, John, our singer couldn't do it because he had some other obligation that he absolutely couldn't get out of, which was fine. So he said, all right, you take the gig, you know, can you get your, your amnesiac guys to do it and we'll do it. And it was like, yeah, sure. But it was a retirement. It was a private party. It was a retirement party for, uh, a kind of a, a friend of, of John's that comes out to see monkey fist a bunch. So we were sort of going into this as an unknown quantity. I knew this, this woman, it was a surprise party for this guy uh, and his wife. 
had hired us and she put together this whole thing. And I had talked to her a couple of weeks ahead of time and we knew that the, you know, that there was this change and I could tell she was really skeptical about it, you know, cause she knew monkey fist and she didn't know amnesiac and she was, you know, kind of probably, it seemed like she was a little out of her element in terms of just putting together an entire party like this and really wanted to do right by her husband who had obviously, you know, worked all these years and then retired and all this stuff. So we had a couple of conversations and, you know, kind of warmed her to the concept and it all, it all went fine, but um, it was an interesting gig because the, the party ran, well, this part of it, the party ran from one to four and, uh, and he was arriving at like one thirty, and she's like, so I want music throughout. And I'm thinking, no, you really, you don't, but I can't tell you that right now while we're on the phone because I'm already having to kind of soften you to the concept of not having the band you want, you know, like this is how it is. So it's like, okay, fine, whatever we'll play. And I'm figuring we'll get there. We'll feel out the room together and it'll be kind of obvious that we shouldn't, you know, play until, you know, later once, cause people are going to want to talk or whatever. And uh, you know how that goes, right? It's a, it's a pretty common, it's sort of a, I'll call it a rookie mistake. I mean, I, I don't, I don't mean to say that this woman, you know, she just doesn't have this particular set of skills. Right. And, uh, and a lot of people who organize events don't have that particular set of skills, you know, to know in advance that now you really want to give people time to get, you know, loosened up or whatever. So, uh, we get there and set up and I'm saying, Hey, where is, where's Nancy? The woman that organized it. Oh, well, she's the one that's bringing her husband as a surprise at one 30. I'm thinking crap. So I can't, have this conversation with her and she's expecting in her mind. The only way this works perfectly is if the band is playing when he arrives, you know, like we're already going, I'm like, I guess we, we got to just roll with this. (laughs) There's no, you know, I'm doing the math. I'm like, I, I either have to backpedal this thing after she gets there and explain to her why we made all these changes that were not in line with what she asked for, or we simply do what she asked for, you know, but So we chose plan B, which was, the, I think, the right plan. But it also meant, like, we don't want to annoy all these other people because everyone else was there and chit-chatting and arriving and all that. So we set up and played really quietly. And, um, you know, it's a 1 o'clock gig, it's kind of a weird time in the day to sing. I mean, it's better than 10 a.m., don't get me wrong. But, sure. you know, but doing that and then trying to do it with a, a throat that's a, not quite perfect and then also doing it at, you know, maybe I like to sing – at about, I'll say about 75 to 80% of my, my actual, you know, potential volume, right? I don't like to sing and scream at the top of my range, but I also don't like to be at like 20%, you know, where I'm just trying to whisper out notes. It's easier to, you know, project a little bit. But for this thing, we were having to sit like right at about 50%, um, even though we had the mics low and everything. Like it was easy for me to sing over everything we were doing. And so that was kind of weird too, was like trying to like ease into this and make it all work. But we actually got the sound to the point where it worked and everybody was really impressed and, uh, and it worked out great. The guy had a nice time and then four o'clock came and, uh, I said, all right, we're, you know, we're, we're good. We're done. And the woman comes up and she says, no, no, the party goes till five. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> no, no, it doesn't, you know? No. <laughs> And, uh, yeah. And she's like, no, no, I, I told you five. I'm like, oh no, no, no. You know, we've had this, we, now we've had three conversations about this and every one of them, you said till four, but people had started leaving at like 20 of four anyway. Right. Like, you know, things that it was, it was an, 
it wasn't like we were leaving. It wasn't like four o'clock hit and everything's like totally raging. And it's like, all right, bye. You know, <laughs> like four o'clock felt like this very natural time for us to stop. And so we did, you know, cause that was when we were supposed to stop. And so it all worked out. She's like, you know what? This is probably the right time to have the band stop anyway. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Whew. She just um, had to talk herself through the process. She did. Yeah. 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 Um, but I kind of had, to, I hate doing that. Like, you know, I always like to, um, to cater to whatever the person wants, you know, within reason. But with this particular thing, I, you know, I, I had been operating under the assumption that it ended at four and one of my guys had to get back for something. And so he was sort of under a time crunch and uh, it was like, well, I, I can't just, you know, let this one go. I said, I wouldn't care if I play another hour, whatever, you know, it's music. How, how bad can it be? Right. But, um, but it wasn't up to me, you know, I was like, well, hmm, okay, I guess I got to ride this one straight through, but it worked out. Okay. It was good. It was, and it was a That's fun good. gig. Yeah. So you posted a really cool video of you seeing pinball wizard. Was that from this party? No, that was actually from a year ago. I, I needed That's to really put, good. Thank you. I, I needed to put, we didn't play that on Sunday. It would have been too loud for that room. Um, but that was Hamnesiac. That was, that was that, that, that trio, that acoustic trio. That was from yeah. a gig a year ago. I needed to put something up cause I was, um, I've got, somebody booking some gigs for him and for the summer. And I think you've been a bad influence on me, Paul, by the way, Why is that? cause now I'm starting to like reach out and, and like book gigs with people. This is <laughs> terrible. I, I'm, I'm always the guy that just answers the phone and says, yeah, I'll, I'll play your gig with you wherever. And now I'm like reaching out and doing it. Cause why, you know, why are you doing it? Uh, cause I want to make sure I'm playing enough. There you go. Yeah. That's it. No, it's not. It's not that this is a bad thing. It's just. No, no. I'm, it's interesting that you have changed behavior that all of a sudden you've decided that, that this is something that you will not give your time to. And I'm just curious. You know, that makes sense. You want to control your destiny and, right. you know, put your butt on stage. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And it's not my first time doing this. I, I've, I've gone through phases of it in my life when I was in uh, college and actually just out of college. Um, it was a similar thing. Uh, I was in a band and the singer had been booking it for a while and really kind of driving it. And then it was a natural progression where he just, you know, sort of burned out a little bit and I took over a little bit for him and, and did some of the, the bookings and, you know, just kind of carried the torch for a little while. So, yeah. uh, so it's, it's not my first time there. It's, you know, it's just, it's sales like anything else. You just got to stay on it. it but is. I needed to have a video, you know, I wanted, well, I wanted to show him a video because otherwise what, what, what are you signing up for? So right. I figure I'll put that up. So very cool. Yeah. So I wanted to share a little bit about some of the new songs that the house rockers are playing. We, you know, we've been starting to talk about songs again, which are always my favorite conversations that we have because, you know, I, there are songs that I don't think about and people bring up or new things. There, there was a couple of great posts on our Facebook page of people sharing cool songs. I think the question was, how do you warm up a room? Mm, or or and, do you warm up a room? Which is right. a whole other. Yeah, exactly. That was a cool discussion, actually. And, you know, that that would make an interesting show, I think. But, there, you know, there some people posted some songs that I hadn't heard of and then went and checked them out. And they're like, holy cow, great tunes. So I think that was pretty cool. But the House Rockers have been hard at work on turning our show to a great degree. We're about halfway through the process now, and we rolled out about six new songs on Saturday night. Mm. So um, it was really fun. So uh, let's see. The first one was Can't Get What You Want by Joe Jackson. Oh, wow. Yeah. Great, great horn chart. You know, it's just it's a good horn song. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Kind of a more of like a big band swing type of feel. You know, it's, it's a different thing. But it's actually a very good early in the evening thing because the horns are out, you know, front. It, the, the song swings and, and grooves enough 
that if people are just kind of getting in, it's a good song for both listening or like an early dance song. Sure. You know, cause it's not, it's not a very heavy guitar song and it's not a real in your face song. It's a really nice, you know, vibe creator, especially for a horn band. So, so that's one of them. We played um, talking in your sleep by the romantics uh-huh. and we added, and we added a horn chart on top of it. Time to play B sides. Is that a B side? Isn't it? Wasn't it? I don't think so. I think they only had like three or four hits, and that was one of them. Okay. For some reason, I thought that was one of their B sides. No. But okay. We, All right. We should look it up because I think that was a that was a top ten hit for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll look but it up. It, one of those songs where we take a song that doesn't have horns and we added horns to it, and it came out really good. And and I will post some videos of these as soon as they're they're video worthy. Is is uh you know I'll get them up. Yeah. That was a cool one. Born to Run has made it into our, our, um, and playing it after seeing Bruce the week before was particularly enjoyable. So that was good. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. good. The band playing know. it well. Um, yeah. So we took, again, we took a performance when he toured with a full horn section and, uh, the horns punch it a little bit more. But I'll tell you what, you know, what makes that and what makes a lot of Bruce songs is having a thoughtful piano player. Because the way that those songs don't just sound like garage band songs is that there are these really beautiful melodic riffs in certain spaces. And it, and it's, you know, they're, they're driving guitar songs, but when does it not sound like everybody else that's a, that's a garage band? And, and it has to do with having a really good piano player. Yep. So Nick put a lot of time into, you know, copying the feel. It's not, it's, you know, he does a little bit his way, but mostly the way that it is. Sure. And um, it really, it's very rewarding for me to play. I mean, it's very fulfilling for me to play. Joe actually picked it for this year. And, um, but everybody really put in the time. And uh, we've had essences of brilliance with it. Um, I'm play- we're playing it as a, either an encore or a last song. And actually, it does get up there in range. You know, it, it, it's, in oh, the key yeah. of, it, it's in the key of E. That last verse, you know, is all around a G sharp. You know, Bruce, it, Bruce a- has a high voice. It's, 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 um, deceptively high you it's deceptively re- high because he's got a lot of power to push yeah. to those notes it's not beautiful at high but in his style of singing and in his natural style of singing it just has that effect of you know of you know being gutsy yeah. even in the high range so yeah. it's, you know it's not lilting you know up in the higher range. But no, nothing that bruce does is lilting i mean it's that's just power saying. that's it yeah that's yeah. what he delivers yeah but it's hard to sing. Like, I mean, you think you hear that song and you're like, oh, I can sing that. And then you go to try and you're like, hey, wait a minute. Re- seriously? It's yeah. Like, you and, know, no. Yeah, he, and he yeah. moves up the range. And like I said, that last verse, yeah. it, you know, is all around that G sharp. And so it's a, it's a, for an encore song. And he's been doing it for 40 years effortlessly. Yeah, it's, well, a, it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. So we got that one. We had, um, oh, here's an interesting one. The Small Faces Stay With Me. Oh, a great song. Yeah. It is a great song. We are wrestling with it a little bit. So it's we're wrestling a weird with, groove, man. It does. And, 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 um, it's one of those songs that's locked into people's psyches and people hear the tempo slightly differently. And, you know, we're having a, a little bit of a wrestling match agreeing on the tempo. Plus it's a pretty involved drum part. I mean, he's, yeah. he's, there's a lot of hi-hat work on that, right? There, There is, but it's also got that lilting kind of, it, it's almost like a, a little feet tune in that there's two grooves happening simultaneously and you need that kind of lilting thing happening no matter what else is going on. It's, it's hard to, to convey that and deliver yes. that. Yeah. Yes. 
So we're, we're, it's exactly the, the struggle that we're having. There's two things. One is there is only one right tempo for that song live. Yeah. Too slow is really a, a dirge and too fast is really messy. Yeah. Right? It doesn't, it doesn't bounce, right? It's it got to bounce. Yep. So we're looking for that perfect sweet spot. So do no you guys, I'm going to, I'm going to derail us a little bit here. Do you guys ever use a metronome live just to not to play along to, for the entire song, but to give yourselves count offs and, and are you, start are you actually point? saying a metronome? Or are you actually saying a click check? A click, yeah, any kind of, right. Yeah. Some sort of digital or, or some sort of, uh, reference th- to to know okay here's where i should count this one in we don't i i have at at very few i don't regularly um but there have been some gigs where i have like especially if i'm you know filling in or whatever and there's you know a, a certain tempo that things should be it's it's not a bad idea you know no. just to give yourself okay. a, a home to start with you don't it, it's one thing to play with a click if you've got like sequencers or whatever but i'm not suggesting that i'm just saying you know give a look Okay, that's where the groove is. All right, and then just count from there. And the band might move up or down from there as, you know, together as you kind of move through the tune and that's fine. But you give the click only to the drummer so he has a, he can set the tempo. Yeah, whoever's starting the tune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it can even so be a visual how do you do that? thing. So again, I I, I apologize. I, I've never used one. So yeah. how do you where would you put it to some you, it, what if someone has like if they just have monitors, you just send it to the monitor even if the audience can hear the click? Well, you can do it. I mean, if you've got in-ears, that that can work out really well. Or you can do it with a, a visual. I mean, it can be a light. It doesn't, you know, I mean, we're not talking about locking into, you know, a, a sequenced part that has to hit at the right time or anything. I'm just saying give a, you know, a, like, because it's hard. In the, in the moment, you might have just finished a slow song yeah. and you're thinking too fast or, you know, it, 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 you, it's your perception of time can really throw you off, you know, and, and you've got well, to take and that adrenaline, you know, Correct. in the middle of a set. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's a little bit of what, you know, there was uncertainty and everybody wanted to please everybody else. Right. And then there was adrenaline. And so there was a couple things happening. I'll tell you the last part of stay with me. That's hard is like much rock and roll, um, especially guitar driven songs. They can get, what you have heard and what you have fallen in love with is actually a very specific thing on a record. Yep. And, and most people don't play things exactly. I mean, you can't play things exactly because you're touch and feel. So when it comes to distorted guitars, you know, especially something where you're, where there's a lot of aggressive strumming on a, on a song. And this one kind of has that, um, a song can get really dirty and really sloppy and really garagey. So, you know, that what you've heard in your head is a very specific tone and a very specific thing. Your, your attempts to do any more than what you heard is just going to muddle muddy the waters about this. And so it's a, it's a, you know, it's a rock song with distorted guitars and, um, and it's not quite, it didn't quite cut through and I have to figure out what to do about that. Yeah. You know, there's we, you know, we talk about the songs that are, they work anytime because you can almost do anything to them and it won't matter this would not be one of those songs. There's mm-hmm. actually, there's right. a very specific thing to this song and you can't, the guitars have got to have exactly the right amount of drive and exactly the right amount of, well, there's not a lot, really a lot of space, but there is some, and the guitars have to respect that space a little bit. Yep. And, and, you know, kind of dynamic, I guess is the right word. Yeah. So that one, and then two more I want to tell you about one. We're now doing serpentine fire by earth, wind and fire. Okay. 
really awesome horn chart. The horn, my trumpets have spent some time. It's like a very, very fast, like a lot of earth, wind, and fire. You know, if you think about if you think about Shining Star and you know a couple others, there's like really or uh, September. There are these really kind of rapid fire um, uh, trumpet licks, uh, and I, we're really happy that the the trumpets have put in the time and really are have made these. It's beautiful line when you get it right, and a lot of singing. You know, when we arrange a little bit of it, you know, because we don't have you know, um, Philip Bailey, you know, <laughs> stratospheric um, um, uh, falsetto, but um, it's really fun. And like a lot of the Earth, Wind, and Fire we do, it's pretty true to the original. Um, and for a bunch of mostly Caucasian guys, we're doing a pretty good job, you know, finding the groove and, and uh, doing a Nick, Nick sings his butt off on it. So it's really cool. Oh, that's good. And then the last one, this is the most fun I want to tell you about. So, we're doing that song by Prince called DMSR dance music, sex romance. And we found a live version of it that he opened his show with Prince opened his show with it. And, um, it's, it's like a real showpiece. I mean, there's a lot of stops. There's a lot of, you know, features for the, you know, there's a place where it's just a drummer. There's a place where just the bass players playing a groove and it's a very uh, theatrical type of thing. And, um, it actually takes a little Beyonce hit, lick and throws it in and then nick also threw in this current um tune this kind of like middle eastern riff of this current rap tune called um don't talk dirty to me i think is what it's called mm-hmm. anyway we mashed it all together and uh, we played it for the first time and it went over awesome and we've been working on that song for about you know probably four or five rehearsals a because there's so many parts to it um b another one where the feel had to be right and uh, we took the original Prince thing, which had a lot of theatrical stops in it, and we've whittled it down to really a usable, you know, some of the stuff you're not Prince, you just can't do, right? Sure. You're not going to get away with, right. right? Right. But we took a lot of the fun stuff, and it's very different. You know, it's one of those things that I, I'm proud when our band does, because it's not the type of thing that most cover bands attempt to do. Most cover bands try to, you know, play the songs and, and get through it. But this is like a good audience participation, involvement parts to it. There's some teases of some other great licks that are in it, and um, and then the groove of the main song itself, and then the the tone of the three part harmony in it is really really fun. So that was probably our biggest win of the night on Saturday night. Cool, which was really kind of cool. Yeah, cool. Hey, so I, I and I know I'm fighting against prednisone here, and and you're amped <laughs> up with that, but I do I do want to revisit this thing because I feel like there, there, we can teach people a little bit about how to use a click live. Um, it, because there, there's an app that um, actually a friend of ours, Dave Wiskus, uh, it either wrote entirely or was certainly involved in called Clickerus, C-L-I-C-K-A-R-U-S. And the whole point of the app is to put a set list on it and you put beats per minute, you know, start times for each of the tunes. And when you hit start, the the app starts flashing on the screen, the tempo of the uh, that you've set for the tune. Ah. So, you know, that there's a solution, right? An easy, simple way to do it without having to worry about an audience hearing a click track. And it sounds like the beginning of Sweet Child of Mine or anything like that, you know, um, and you've and you've just got it. And it's a nice place to start. So, well, that's a cool thing. But I'm actually going to I'm going to bounce it right back in your head on this Sweet. stay with me tune, because <laughs> think about stay with me. Right. It starts. Yeah, I know. And then it kind of like does that keyboard walk down and then it finds another groove. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, but that other groove that. is that other groove is is related to the other one, right? It, is it? I think it's half of it, or it's a third of it, or it's two thirds of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think there's a no. I think there. I've played that tune before. I'd have to do it again. But there's a way to count 
and and keep the I think it's the eighth note stays the same or something when it when it drops into that that kind of that that second section uh, right. or the, the the larger part of the section. But yeah, I mean it's you know yeah you got to it's All right, clickerous though so that clickerous. it's a visual cue so that we can just yeah that's yeah. cool yeah right. so it's something Thanks, Dave Whiskus. Thanks to Dave Whiskus. Yeah, we should have him on the show actually sometime. He's been he's been uh in in many senses living the dream, right? He he has his original nice. band that he took on the yeah, road. Yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good Kinda stuff. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um I had something else, but then uh but then I lost it in the uh in the prednisone haze. So I'll, I'm going to blame your prednisone for me forgetting no, no, things. No, no, I have to be. I have to be clear. The prednisone <laughs> hopefully will come tomorrow. So I, oh, I you're not see on my, prednisone. I'm oh. not. So oh. that's why. So I'm going to go see my respiratory doctor tomorrow. Okay. And I get this funky cough. Usually about this time of year. Actually, actually only about this time of year, February yeah. or March. It's deep in my chest. Nothing is moving when I cough. It's just this dry, barky cough, and it'll go on forever. In the first couple of years, when I remember having it, it went on forever. And then when I finally got hooked up with a real respiratory doctor, because I've got you know, other weird, weird wiring in my sinus stuff going sure. on all the time. Sure. Uh, and he gave me prednisone one time and it took care of it. And I, and obviously I felt great. Yeah. I was lifting, I was lifting cars, but it was, uh, it, it was a, it was a solution. My wife has made a rule that I can get prednisone anytime my doctor is willing to prescribe it for something. And uh, it, as long as it comes <laughs> along with a reservation at a hotel somewhere until I'm done with the uh, prednisone. That's right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a little much. So we added, um, we've been adding songs to, to fling set list too. And actually we, we, we played one of them the other night I, and I like it when songs come together like this. We, uh, we added, uh, um, uh, can't get enough of your love from Ooh. bad company. Yeah. yeah. And while we were kind of trying to figure out how to end the tune, it hit me that, you know, we're already in this, this kind of shuffly thing. We should just segue into some kind of wonderful. Which is another tune we've never played, but I think you and I played some kind of wonderful years ago together. I think so, yeah, yeah, and uh, and so we've made it. You know, can't get enough of some kind of wonderful your witness or whatever it is. You know, it's yeah. and, and and what's cool is you can do that that can't get enough turnaround in between the verses of some kind of wonderful to you know to kind of keep that that going. And it's nice because we're singing it down a step from where some kind of wonderful normally would be because we're staying in. Uh, can't get enough land and that, yeah. that's easier on old Dave's throat. So it means I can hit all those notes that are otherwise like much, much harder to hit. But don't you have tremendous appreciation for Paul Rogers? Is he a stud or what? That guy, we, we do a couple, we do uh all right now as well. Right. That was him. Right. That's yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, you know, the, the, uh, the thing about singing his songs is it's kind of like we were saying with Bruce, but I think even on another level, well, he, he's, he's singing for queen. I mean, he's singing that's the thing. He yeah. makes that stuff, but he, he makes it sound so relaxed. He's got yeah. like that whole laid back kind of thing, but yet he's way up there. It's not, he's not pushing, you know, you don't yeah. hear him push. And in fact, to, I find that's the trick to singing it is, you know, you got to think low to go high and I just relax everything. And then I can hit those notes. Like, like, you know, like he can hit. Well, well I'll not share. like he can hit, but I can hit the notes. You know? I will share, you know, thousands of dollars and umpteenth hours of, of vocal lesson training yep. about the philosophy of that singing should never be strained. Right. You know, singing is all about, is all about 
aiming the vibration, you know, wherever it needs to be through your cavities to get the desired pitch. And so strain is rookie mistake stuff. Yep. Um, you know, I, I had a voice teacher who for a while said, you know, until you learn to control the vibration, the, the buzz, and the, I, I think I've said this before on the show, the most valuable piece of, of vocal training information I think I've ever had is it's all about the buzz. Everything is about feeling that vibration and then learning to aim it and channel it and bounce it off the back of your throat or the front of your, you know, or, you know, up in your sinuses or through your chest or whatever it is. Yep. So it's not supposed to be strained. And, right. and you know, I, I think Bruce sings the way he does, although, he, you know, he can't be straining with these three and a half hour shows as much as it looks. I, I think it's it, physically he, it, impossible. Yeah, he couldn't do he couldn't have had the career that he has if he was right. straining because we've seen guys who have had that career. Roger Daltrey, right? He can't sing anymore because right. he strained in the early days. I mean, right. I, I think, you know, you know, Bruce is probably a freak of nature in the way he's wired. Yeah. And that he can he can emote a lot with with his output without actually, you know, without actually having a tight in his throat, which is the key. That's the key. And so, you know, and then you think about, uh, you know. These these performers who are doing seven shows a week on Broadway or in Las Vegas, you cannot sing, you know, and, the, and some of these are like, you know, Cheap Trick was doing that. You know, obviously, you know, the pop singers like Celine Dion are, are doing that type of thing. But you can't do that if if you're not taking care of your voice box. And so, it's true. Um, you know, the whole thing. And th- so getting back to Rogers is, you know, I, I always think of singing as almost like golf. Some guys walk up to a ball and can hit it a mile straight. Most people, it, it goes left or right. Singing, some people just, the mechanics make sense to them naturally. Yep. And they can, you know, <laughs> be on pitch, you know, go through range, you know, really explore the top of their physical range and uh, and just do it. And, and Rogers is one of those types of guys. Certainly, you know, Freddie Mercury was operatically changed. So obviously that, but Rogers would be one of the great rock and roll singers of all time. Always effortless. Yep you know, always powerful and, uh, you know, just, he's amazing to me. Love, yeah. I love everything he's done. I totally agree. Yeah. He's a, it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I guess I should, um, I should revisit Manilo because we saw Manilo yeah, last week. Please. I saw you post it. You had a good time. We did. We had, uh, we had great seats. Um, Dave cause the, uh, the opening act. He's sax, really entertaining. I think you've seen him. Yeah. Sax yeah. player. His band was outstanding. Uh, yeah. I mean, he was great, and his band was outstanding as well. It, really, really good. Great interaction amongst them. A lot of fun. You know, they know that they're there opening for Barry, and that's why everybody got there. And yet, they're able to take that and kind of work with it. You uh, know, and, and really, really entertaining. I was, I was blown away by Dave Cause. That's cool. Sound was good. It was, you know, he actually sings very well too. He does. I agree. Yeah. Um. And then Manilow came out and the sound was horrendous. Oh God. Yeah. It was weird. It was like really shrill. There was no low end. And that lasted for about maybe three songs. And then Barry did the thing that we've always said, no good performer should ever do. He commented very briefly. I mean, if you weren't paying attention, you probably would have missed it. So, I mean, he did it like a pro, but he said something to his monitor engineer. He just said, hey, my head, you know, things are really bright. Can you adjust my headset? And then just kept going with his his patter, you know. But but that tone that he probably took, having seen him many times. Yep. He has a, a very congenial, amenable vibe d- to him. Yes. And and um, 
you know, I don't know if he got off stage and he kicked ass, but I would imagine that he would create a moment where it was, it was spoken in such respect. Those who love him even love him more for, for, for absolutely. That way. He, he, he was such a gentleman about it. Yeah, absolutely. He just said, Oh, you know, it's just really bright. You know, if you could fix my headset, that'd be great. And, uh, and, and they did, they, they dialed it back enough to where, and he's, like you said, he's one of the, you know, the, one of the great crooners. He's not one of these rock singers that shoves the mic right in his face. Um, he, he keeps it, you know, a natural kind of four or five inches from him. But prior to that moment where he had him correct things, he had it probably a foot and a half away from his mouth. I mean, it was just too much for him. And because it was so far away, it wasn't getting any of his resonance. It was just getting, you know, all this shrill kind of sound. So when they fixed it, it, it got, it got significantly better. I mean, instantly. Yeah. Instantly. And then um, the band never left the stage. And I'm going to talk about the band a little bit, uh, but the band never left the stage, but he did. And they played like a little thing showing uh, him to plan Mandy early on in his career right. or whatever. And, and he came back out with a, with a, you know, change of clothes or whatever. It's obvious. It was obvious to me from the, the way the sound changed even more that when he got off stage, he grabbed somebody and was like, I don't know what's going on, but you got to fix it immediately. You know, it's still not great, you know, and, and, and it got fixed. It was fine. You know, um, and he, and he came out and finished the set, but, uh, but it was just, it was one of those weird things where the sound system was so good, at least from where we were for the opening act. And then the, the headliner came out and it was like, Oh no, things need a little tweak here, folks. You yeah, know? Weird. Yeah. yeah it's just one, but he was fantastic. Uh, I was really blown away. Uh, by how well he sang and uh, you know, he's, I mean, he's a lifetime performer and you've seen, you know, the weird, one weird thing was, especially in contrast to seeing Dave cause where the band was right there and present and part of the show. Barry's band was um, almost an afterthought. Like I couldn't, I couldn't tell you if I ran into the drummer on the street after the gig, I would not know it was him. They were behind walls and shields. And it was, you know, it was as though I were watching like an award show and there was a band that had to be there and they were playing great, but you couldn't really see him. I think weird. the only, yeah. Like the, the drummer's behind uh, Plexi, right? It, behind everybody's, Plexi, behind Plexi. everybody's behind Plexi, but all, but also two layers of wooden walls that are kind of tiered. Uh, on his stage, which was weird. It's like they, they were really hidden, even the yeah. guitar players and stuff. Like but I think the, the other singers are featured, right? They're, they, they're correct. He's got three backing vocalists that, that were a, a pleasure to watch. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And everybody sounded good. It was just weird. You couldn't, you know, it was, it was like, you got all these people with you. You could highlight them a little bit, you know, or just it, let it actually see is an interesting vibe though. I mean, he is a very congenial, amenable, yep. you know, and he, you know, he knows his audience so well and, you know, he'll, he tells a couple shaggy dog stories about himself that sure. even if you are not a fan of his, uh, the first time I saw him, I think he, he said something to the effect of, so we're going to have a good time tonight. And uh, how many of you were dragged here tonight? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and yeah. Like a bunch of guys that wrote their hands. He goes, well, listen, I'll play some pretty songs. You might get lucky tonight. You'll thank me later. <laughs> right. And it's <laughs> just, great. he yeah. connected with everybody. Sure. <clears throat> So, yeah, I, that has been the biggest, you know, my wife is a huge fan. Yeah. She's seen him up team times and I've probably seen him 10 times yeah. and uh, he's never been bad ever, ever, ever been bad. Yep. We've seen him in Vegas. We've seen him in little theaters. We've seen him in, um, nice. you know, like 12,000 seat arenas and that type of thing. Yeah. And, um, 
thorough, thorough, thorough professional. Oh, and, absolutely. And as a musician, you just have to respect how together his show is. You know, there's not a, there's not a wrong note played. Um, there's some some flashes of virtuosity. Totally. You know, if you listen, like totally. all of a sudden the guitar player will like in that little vamp. You know, when the, when he, they're introducing him or something, and the, and yeah. the rhythm section can cut loose a little bit. Oh. It's just beautiful. And, it was awesome. Yeah, it is. It is a lesson in um, in affinity with an audience. Yep. You know, that's the main thing. I mean, I actually have come around to liking more, many more of the songs now. And when I was talking about when we went, you know, in my early years as a musician, it was it was in vogue to diss Barry Manilow. I mean, uh, the see, songs were too soupy, the yeah, song, you know, yeah. bandy. I write the songs, you know, they were all over the radio when we were kids. And, and, uh, it was a, it was a cool thing to, to diss on Barry Manilow. Yeah, but he's a hey, heck of a song. Well, he's a heck he of a is. performer. He's also a good songwriter, although he didn't write every one of his hits. It, and, and it, ironically, he didn't write, I write the songs, which is sort of funny, but, uh, but he's written enough that you have yeah, to, exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, but I, you know, he, if your litmus is, have you moved people in your life with your music? You'd have to put him up there with anybody, you, you know, move, put him up there with Sinatra, oh, totally. put him up there certainly with Springsteen. Hey, man. He has fans that have followed him forever. They love him. You know, he's written some really actually beautiful songs that, that once you stop lumping everything in with Mandy and just, if you were to listen to those songs by themselves, really timeless pop songs. I agree. Yeah. No, the, the first song I ever sang uh, in front of an audience was with my middle school chorus. And I had a solo in uh, Can't Smile Without You. So, ah, very nice. A, yeah. And you mentioned Mandy, right? Do you know the story? You probably do about uh, about that song because it was his first hit. He did not write it. Um, it was written at, and actually uh, con it, technically considered a cover because a guy in the UK, the guy who wrote it, had a hit with it. But it was not called Mandy. It was called Brandy. Right. And when they brought it to the U.S. for him, of course, we already knew that Brandy was a fine girl uh, yes. because Looking Glass had told us so. So they, <laughs> they had to change the name, you know, and uh, and Mandy it became. And yeah, so and I didn't know that I, I, I uh, Lisa and I researched that on the way home. But even Mandy now, I think I'd have to say I come around because he comes out. And there is this kind of like Liberace aspect to it, you know, totally. it's a, you know a very elaborate, you know, very showy uh, approach to playing the piano, Liberace like. But he closes his eyes and he digs in. And after all these years of singing that freaking song every night, yep. he, it does not sound stale. I'm, I'm sorry. No, you know, I agree. Just, he sang it great. I, that's I, a professional. Yeah. No, I, I, I enjoyed the show. It was uh it was good. I, I just, like I said, I wish, I wish I could have seen more of the band, especially when they were, like you said, when they were able to cut loose, it was like, gosh, I would, you know, I wish I, and part of it was our seats and I'm not going to sit here and complain about being in the third row. Um, <laughs> but, but I think that was part of it. The angle that we had was not kind of a top down onto the stage. We were looking, you know, obviously up from the, from the floor. So the band was really obscured, uh, for us and it was unfortunate at, at moments, but, um, but it's not about the band. And they were they were reading paper charts mm. on stage. Yeah. I'm sh That's I was cool. shocked that they were not at least not on like iPads where everybody's in sync or whatever. I mean, you know, I, although I guess Barry's not going to change the uh, the key of his tunes where they would need to do that. But uh, but yeah, it was it was interesting at moments. I saw guys like flipping through pages it was like, what, uh, is this a theater gig? <laughs> guys. Honey. Yeah, it was. I mean, just surprised to see in a, you know, in that kind of a show. But hey. 
whatever, whatever gets you through it. Yeah. So um, one last thing about Dave cause my buddy, Dave Hooper yep. is the drummer for Dave cause. So oh, I don't okay. know if he stood up to you, but you know, I he's... loved the way he played. Oh, he had such a pocket man. Yeah. Oh yeah. So good. So good. Yeah. And that the reason cause is a really fantastic opener Cause is just a very, you know, likable guy. He's, yep. you know, he's smiling, you know, he's, he's walking all up and down the stage. He's got some energy. He, that is a great opening act for something like Manlo, right? Absolutely. The music, the music is complimentary. You know, it's not jazz. That's overly it's a good word. It's overly, not overly not, cerebral. It's just cerebral. It's really accessible. Yeah. 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 It's not, it's not Kenny G soupy, nope. but it's, but you no, know, it's, and the it's players white, are it's white playing. people funk is what it is. I mean, that's the go. type of music it is. I mean, actually, most of the guys on stage are, aren't aren't white guys, but um, but it's it's that sort of accessible funk kind of stuff. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Cool. Cool. I, I'm I really, glad you had a good time. Yeah, it was it was a great night, and it it's was good short. to see. It's good to see the legends. I mean, it is. You know, yeah, it reminds you, you know, what music is all about because they're so good at doing what they do. Yep. Yeah. No, it's good. I'm 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 very glad we went. And uh, your wife had a good time. She loved it. Yeah, well, of course. You know, I mean, she unfortunately having been, you know, to enough shows with me over the years, she hears the sound problems that I hear immediately. You know, so when Barry came out, she's like, what's going on with this? kind of crap is this i'm like oh they'll fix it and then they fixed it and then she was like all right now it's better i'm like yeah no it's they're pros it happens it's hard to tune a room when people aren't in it yeah it's a different thing it's a whole different thing yeah you just gotta gotta roll with it so you have tickets for any other shows coming up yeah we're going to see jackson brown oh me too that's great yeah and um i think oh solo acoustic or with his band uh you know i have no idea I I bought the tickets with no knowledge of, of what the show is. I think it's with his band, uh, I believe, but I, I would be happy either way, but I'm sure I'll find out before we go. And then tomorrow I got to buy tickets for little feet. They're coming to Boston in September. Are, do they have new music that they're playing? I don't know. They're just playing. Yeah. It's little feet. Yeah. We saw little feet together. We did. Yeah, you you hired Little Feet Little Feet for a uh, a party at Macworld Expo. We had we had a, we met them. We had a pretty good vantage point. Nice guys. Nice you know, guys. Really road nice dogs. guys. You know, they they're lifers. Yeah. And uh and yeah, you, you and I appreciate you bringing me backstage and and getting to meet those guys and they were so cordial. You know, before right. a gig, I always feel like I'm intruding if I'm, you know, trying to chat with musicians cuz they're trying to get ready, but those guys they were totally fine with it, you know. They yeah. Were, and um Talked to Paul Barrera and actually mentioned the first time I saw him, which was at this weird festival in Vermont. And whether he actually remembered it or not, he's like, oh, dude, I remember that gig. They were cooking turducken under the stage while we were playing. Yeah, he's like, it was really hard to concentrate while we were playing because it smelled so good. That's great. (laughs) So I was like, hey, that's cool. You know, you know, the thing about Little Feet, kind of like what we're talking about with Stay With Me. Little Feet songs are picky. Well, that's it. You can't rush them and you can't drag them. They all have those double grooves. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's, it's true. And that, that was a, I think that was a Lowell George thing and, and maybe a, you know, a Richie Hayward thing uh, between the two of them where they, but, but it is even without the two of them in the band, that sort of vibe has, has carried on where there's that, that, that double groove kind of thing going on and you've got to get it right. It's hard. It's hard. They're fun songs to play though. When you can, yeah. when you can, you know, mess with them and play with them. So, you got anything else, Paul? Um, so 
live shows. Going to see Jackson Brown. The Cure is coming. So I, I bet our friend Brian is all lined up for that. But The Cure, they haven't toured forever, right? No, no. I would. I, just um, see them? I have seen them. I saw them once and it was back in the late 90s in Austin. And I was blown away uh, with how good they were. I was never wow. a huge Cure fan. Um, they were one of those bands that I hated because I was supposed to hate it hate them because I was into prog rock and they weren't, you know, right. anything like that. But, but it was right about the time that I joined a band uh, that was playing like more accessible music and, and they were playing just like heaven and actually boys don't cry. And, you know, actually we played a ton of cure songs. We played killing an Arab and, and uh, a forest. I mean, we just, you know, we played half the catalog. So I got, to, I got really familiar with the cures music and uh, going to see them live. I was really blown away. They were outstanding live. I don't know very how they'll be band. now. What's that? Yeah. Very unique band. Really unique songwriting, unique, unique yep. sonic scapes, you know, sonic experiences. Yeah. They cool. were a much harder rock band live. I mean, they weren't different than they were on their records, but I saw a different, I, I always, I always expected that their music would be presented in, in a very kind of polished and, and, and ethereal way. And it, it's not, I mean, they're, a, they were a, like driving rock band live. And then it, cool. and, and once I saw that, it was, I, I went back and listened to stuff. It's like, oh, actually that's what they always been. It just, I just, it never, it never communicated that way to me, you know, listening to records, but seeing them live. Yeah, they were good. I was impressed. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah All right. Might- so we have. We have some questions that are coming in about uh, exploring pay and taxes and stuff like that. This was fun for me today, Dave, because I just love talking about songs. And so that was kind of cool. Uh, oh, one last song to talk about. And, and there's actually, this connects a few things over the years that we've been talking about. So um, for Acoustic Madness, I'm on a quest in my, in my harmony singing more than words. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's the guy you know, right? Yeah, Gary Sharon and and Nuno right. Betancourt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is killer no, harmonies. On those that. guys are those guys are. Um, that's a Boston legendary band, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, I, yeah. I want to share with you. There's something pretty cool. You can find it on YouTube. But I think it was the Nobel Peace Prize concert. Um, Steven Tyler and Nuno Betancourt doing more than words. Oh. Absolutely freaking nailed. I don't, you know, I think Steven Tyler is a way better musician than I would, than I, than I would have thought. I think of him as kind of a screamer, you know, and, 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 you know, quite a bit of his image is what he is about. Yep. But I, you know, this, this country stuff that he's into now, uh, you know, he seems like he's a well more disciplined and well-rounded musician than I would have thought. I mean, I love Aerosmith. But Aerosmith is a lot about guitars, yeah. a couple of great songs. I don't, I don't didn't know the virtuosity that's involved with the players in Aerosmith. I mean, I think Joe Perry is an interesting guitar player, you know, a very unique style. You can always tell when it's Joe Perry and a very good guitar player. But, you know, that's it's uh, I didn't know Steven Tyler had chops like that. And so check that YouTube video out. Oh, cool. Uh, you got yeah. And then if you if we're talking about more than words, you got to see the one that uh, that Jack Black and. Uh, Fallon, right? Yes, I saw that. I walked past that. Is it good? Oh my god! They totally recreated the the video shot for shot that uh, Extreme did back in the you know in the I guess it was the eighties, right? Yeah, or early nineties maybe. And uh, and I mean, it's shot for shot the same video uh, with the two of them doing the whole thing, including you know the band members lighting the the lighter, and I mean, it's just hysterical, funny. but really well done. I mean, it you know these guys are serious about being able to perform, but 
<laughs> so I'm going to grab Steve Psychotos and make it part of Acoustic Madness's show. And, uh, you know, I've, I've messed around with it. Yeah, it's it's a little bit delicate, the playing and singing at the same time, you know, because it's such a syncopated guitar part. You have to kind of be on it. Yes. But um, I actually think it's it's a doable thing. You know, it's it's within reach of mortals if you if you focus on the details of it. Yeah, it doesn't have any of those, you know, super high Gary Sharon notes that are just totally out of reach. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can hit them. Yeah, and yeah. and falsetto is is allowed. So you and know. falsetto. Oh, they sing it with falsetto. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty song. Really well done. I mean, totally out of the ballpark of anything else that band ever did. Other than that's what they, I understand. And most had, people only know that song for that band. Right? Yeah, they. I mean, they're they're a killer band. Uh, but really hard edged. Uh, you know, bordering on kind of, you know, prog metal ish kind of just right. heavy hitting band. And Gary's just a, a killer front man. Uh, really. And a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, yeah. That's a good, that's a good one to sing. That's a challenge. Both parts. Cause they don't, they don't just follow each other. They're, they're kind of like, you know, um, Weaving. What, yeah. Gentle line, gentle lawns intertwining, you know, <laughs> <laughs> in the, in the saddest of all keys. Um, because we got to have a Spinal Tap reference if we're going to bother to Absolutely. do a show. All right, folks. Feedback at GigGabPodcast.com is where you can email us. You can find us on Facebook at uh, GigGabPodcast. And we would love to see you there. We've actually been posting some uh, some other stuff. I, we, it seems like we've both been having fun kind of finding things to share with our listeners there. Yeah. So, yeah, it's good. It's yeah, the good. Steve Miller thing was, was classic. <laughs> oh, the Steve Miller Venn diagram? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always think of that. I, I saw it years ago. Uh, we'll put a link to it in the show notes, but it's a Venn diagram of the Joker and uh, it shows you who's the smokers and who's the, the tokers and the, the, you know, all that stuff. And it, it's perfect. It's brilliantly done. So, and then I shared that video that you showed me uh, years ago, that was probably like a, you know, a proto gig gab conversation about yeah. Harry Connick adding a, a beat to get the crowd clapping on the two and four. It's good stuff. So you got to find us on Facebook to see this stuff. Gig gab podcast folks. And we'll, uh, you got anything else to, uh, to share with them, Paul, or are we, we're now, just wish go. me well in my quest for advanced drugs. Same, man. I hope we both yeah. uh, come back next week much healthier than we are today. Thank you so much for listening, folks. We will see you next time. 